Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. It's National Hug Day. I just think that's cool. Uh, I observe it every day, Um, and in particular on uh, the weekend. So uh, I was glad to find that out. It's It's just a great thing. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Genesis chapter number 17. This is your first time with us. We've been in a series all month entitled Healthy Transitions. What we've been talking about every single month is uh, uh, taking stories and uh, circumstances that happened in the life of Abram, then subsequently known as Abraham, and looking at the transitions that God sent him through to glean from things that we could do in our lives when we go through transitions. The first weekend, uh, we taught a message out of Genesis chapter number 12 uh, entitled, I Have to Show You Something. It was about God calling Abram out from everything that he knew to start a relationship with him and having to tell him that he's going to need to leave everything that he's known in order to come into that relationship. The second week, last week, I don't know how many people were here last week. You were here last week for the message. If you were here last week for the message, there was a very unique uh, title to the message. Uh, It was corny, but it was sticky. Does anybody remember it? Set it up. Keep it up. Way up. See? Okay. We had several people after the service say, is that from the Cosby show? Okay, it might have been, all right? I saw all eight seasons. It's a part, big part of my childhood. Deal with it. Um, today, I want you to be in uh, first, uh, I'm sorry, first nothing, Genesis chapter number 17. Uh, we're going to read the first eight verses, and I'm also going to read the 15th and the 16th verse for you as well, uh, and then we'll see what the Lord would have to say. For all of my nerds that uh, are taking notes, here's the title of this message. It's all in the name. It's all in the name. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter number 17, starting at the first verse. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is my everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Jump down to 15. Then God said to Abraham regarding Sarai, your wife. Her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. I love this passage. 
it's all in the name. We've been talking about every single weekend the transitions that Abram has gone through. When you look at uh, Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you begin to see all the things that God has done for, with, and through Abram during this time. What's important to note is that uh, these, these years didn't go by as quickly as these chapters. A lot of times when we read Scripture, uh, uh, it seems like we're just reading a narrative that keeps bouncing and keeps moving. Sometimes there's hundreds of years in between chapters. There could be several decades in between two verses. What has happened in Abraham's life is that he comes into a relationship with uh, God when he's 75 years old. We see this in Genesis chapter number 12. He leaves his country. He leaves his relatives. He leaves his father's house, and he goes to a place that God would show him. He takes Sarai with him. He takes Lot, his nephew, with him. And we see, as we talked about last week, what happens when he builds altars, and we also see what happens when he does not build any altars. In chapter number 13, uh, Abram and Lot have to split up. They have amassed so much livestock, some of it as a part, uh, as a part of his deceit, Uh, that he gave to Pharaoh in uh, Egypt, he now has to split ways with his nephew Lot, and Lot goes one way, and Abram goes another. In chapter number 14, he has to go save his nephew Lot. Lot goes down to an area that is so bad that, uh, here's the thing, you have to go back and read this because this is crazy, Um, everyone in the town got kidnapped. That's the hood. (laughs) I don't know if you know that. That's a bad part of town. It's one thing to have a bad area where there's fights or gang violence. It's another place to have an area that's so bad that, that there's drugs uh, uh, and, 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 and violence. Uh, it's another thing when you live in an area where there's kidnappings. That, that, that's, that's a really bad part of town. It's a whole other thing when the entire city gets kidnapped. That's gangster. When you live in a city, and what it's known for, hey, you really don't want to move to this city? Why? We all got kidnapped one time. <laughs> well, you mean like, like a few people? Like, no, 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 no. All, the whole city got jacked and taken away. And, and Abram, who's like between 75 and 80 years old, is so gangster that he gets them swords and gets all of the men men serving in his house, and he rides down into the territory and beats up all the kings and gets everybody back, including Lot. If I were Lot, I'd have moved back home. I'd have been like, you know what? I wasn't ready to leave. You know what? I thought I was ready for this. I'm really not ready for this. I got to move back in the house with my uncle because you're really a gangster. When you beat up the people that kidnapped the city, you gangster. So Father Abraham, who had many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham, I am one of them and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, turn around, sit down, gangster. <laughs> there should be inherent in your spiritual DNA, if you have a covenant with Abraham, a little bit of gangster on the inside of you. 
five people clap. I have it. <laughs> Don't test me. <laughs> I got it on me right now. Okay, I do too. Amen. So, um, 14 happens. He comes back with all the spoils from the land. He has an encounter with a man named Melchizedek. He sees and understands in this dialogue that he has with Melchizedek that this person is greater than I am. Intrinsically, he knows that there's something about you that's different. And Abram, uh, without any law, without any sermons, without any prep, takes a tenth of everything that he had just won in that war and gave it to Melchizedek. He tithed off of the things that he had from this war. It's interesting to me that some people actually believe that tithing is only an Old Testament law. That the tithing is for the Old Testament. It's not, a new, it's not in the New Testament as a covenant uh, uh, with believers. Uh, but understand that tithing we saw demonstrated by Abram some 400 years before the law was even instituted. It's not a law thing. It's a heart thing. What he is trying to get us to understand is that there's something that should happen in the heart that lets you know that everything that God gives me actually belongs to the Lord. And on the inside of me, again, if, we in, if we've inherited that spiritual DNA from Abram, it should make us a little bit gangster, but it also make, should make us a lot of giving, givers. Chapter number 14 goes that way. In 15, he says, God says to him, hey, I just want to remind you that I'm making a covenant with you. I'm going to give you descendants. And Abram, what's going to be amazing is how much I do with you. Abram's retort to him is, how are you going to do this with me when I don't have a son of my own? How am I going to fulfill the thing that you've called me to do when I don't have any children of my own? God repeats the narrative and says, don't worry about that. I am going to bless you. Can we pause and say this right here? Uh, sometimes when God gives you a prophetic word, he spares the details. Anybody beside me? Anybody been, ever been given a very accurate word, prophetic word from somebody to the point you're weeping, you're broken over it? How did you know? <laughs> and they're just saying, they're, I mean, they're reading you like a laser, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. And then they're like, but God's going to turn it around. You're like, thank you, Jesus. And then you spend the next 72 hours like, turn it around, God. Come on now, you said you're going to turn this around. Do it, Lord. Come on, Lord. Do it, Lord. Today, Lord. Do it, Lord. And the Lord's like, yeah, no, not today. Not tomorrow. Chapter number 15 ends. Chapter number 16 begins with Sarai looking at her watch. And checking her clock and saying, it's been too long. Abram, it's been 11 years since you got this word from the Lord that he was going to do something in your life. It's been, it's been several years since you got this word that he was going to give you some descendants. Uh, looking at my Gucci, it should be about that time. It's not that time yet. Uh, you're 86, I am 76 years old. It doesn't look like the promise is going to be fulfilled. I don't know what this descendants mean. He said it wasn't going to be your manservant. We don't, I, I haven't had any babies. So, so you know what? Why don't you take 
uh, my Egyptian servant Hagar and sleep with her, and maybe God meant that we're going to get a baby that way. I would be mad at Sarai, but I'm not mad at Sarai. I'm mad at Abraham. The suggestion comes out of impatience. I'm just really shocked at how fast Abram accepted the suggestion. She said, maybe you should just take my handmaid Hagar and and sleep with her and have a baby. And Abraham was like, okay. He didn't say, let me pray about it. Let me build an altar for this. He was like, okay, whatever you, hey, you said it, so. And they wind up with Ishmael. This is all in chapter number 15. I mean, chapter number 16. Here's what happens in chapter number 17. God speaks again. You have to be careful in between chapters 14 and chapter 17. Because anytime you leave a blank space, our natural human tendency is to fill the blank. You have never met anybody who can watch Will of Fortune and resist the urge to not try to guess and fill in the blanks. Even I've seen people who have used uh, their, their, their anxiousness without any thought behind answering a question on Wheel of Fortune. The first letter is C. And then they might have like a D. And there's only like five spaces. But they say something like combustible. The first word was C. You didn't want to spin again? Combustible. Vanna is like, Mm-mm. I can't even do that on that word. That's, well, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. Hey, Pat, do they know how to play the game? Or? We must resist the urge as believers when we've been given a word from the Lord and it's not coming according to our timetable, to start filling in the blank, writing the narrative for him to see what the outcome is going to be. It's amazing how many people won't take whatever you say at face value. I sprained my ankle. Oh, you sprained your ankle? What was you doing, playing soccer? Can I finish my sentence? There was a crack inside the concrete, and I just rolled my ankle in it. Why must you always try to fill in the blank? It's something on the inside of us that's always trying to fill something in when God's not done writing the chapter. It's amazing to me that God would let this happen and he doesn't even talk to Abram again until he's 99 years old. From 75 years old to 99 years old, God has not told him exactly what he was going to do. 24 years have gone by before God says, okay, now let me tell you who I am. I love this. Let me tell you who I am. 
Thank you for walking with me for 24 years. Now I'm going to give you a revelation about who I am that you never had in year 23, 22, 21, and 20. May I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you need to know about him and learn about him. The more you walk with him is not the more you know, it's the more you don't know. He has manifold wisdom, which means it's many-folded. He keeps unfolding for you exactly what's on the inside of his plan for your life. And the longer you walk with him, the more he has to say to us. He says, uh, there is something that I want to share with you. I am El Shaddai. I am the Lord Almighty. This is the only revelation you need for what I'm going to do in your life. And I'm going to give you so many descendants, you won't, be able, you won't even be able to count them. I already talked to you about this in chapter number 15. Look at the stars in the earth, uh, stars in the sky. Look at the sand on the seashore. You're going to have more descendants than all of that. You won't be able to count them, Abram. I'm going to do something amazing in your life. He does it. By giving him a revelation of who he is. Then he says this. He says, um, and not only that, not only am I going to do that amazing, but I'm also going to change your name. You're no longer going to be called Abram. I am changing your name to Abraham. Then he starts to talk about, I skipped this for the men in the room. Uh, he said, the covenant that you're going to have to show with this is circumcision. I decided not to do a whole sermon on circumcision. Just thought that would be belaboring the point. Some people are already rubbing their necks with discomfort. Then he says, uh, you can also tell Sarai that I'm changing her name to Sarah. The nuance doesn't change much. Sarai means princess and Sarah, Sarah means princess. But how they were going to govern their lives called for a transition in their name. See, there's something about this name change that allowed Abram, Abraham, to receive the word that he, that he had just got from the Lord. It was, indeed, someone going from being, by definition, a high or exalted father to someone who would be the father of multitudes or the father of many nations. So the three points that I want you to have uh, to this particular message, write the first one down. Only my father can tell me what my name means. Let me say that again. Only my father can tell me what my name means. Isaiah 43 verses 1 and 2 says this. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Only my father can tell me what my name means. Here was the thing that happened with Abram. Abram has been walking around with this name that really does not line up with who God has called him to be. 
He's an exalted father, and he's been acting like one. He's, he's been the elder statesman in his family when his brother dies, when his father dies. He takes Lot in uh, as his nephew, and he takes care of him. He's taking care of all these men servants that he's had. But now God says, listen, your name has caused you to have a mindset that does not line up with what I've called you to be. You're not just an exalted father. You're going to be the father of many nations. And since I'm the one, the only one, that can give you the meaning to your name, let me be the one to define what this name means. See, I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that if you do not have a proper understanding of the name that God gave you, then you'll never walk in to be who he's called you to be. He says, uh, uh, you've been an exalted father, but now you're going to be the father of many nations, and I'm going to call you Abraham. Sarah, Sarai's name is now going to be Sarah because I'm changing the way you look at yourself and think about your name. My firstborn, Nathan, we call him Nathan, but his first name is Timothy. He's Timothy Nathan Carl Ross. I'm Timothy Charles Ross. He is Timothy Nathan Carl Ross. My wife is Caribbean, and in Caribbean culture, you always pay honor to uh, um, a, a grandparent or, or another descendant, older descendant, and uh, 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 by assigning a name to them. And so Carl is the name of his uh, maternal grandfather. So Timothy Nathan Carl Ross. Let me tell you what his name means. Timothy is one of the few reciprocal names in the Bible. It actually means honored by God or honoring God. Nathan means a gift from God. God has given a gift. And Carl, which is uh, just uh, the German name for Charles, means manly. So, so Nathan's name, Timothy Nathan Carl Ross, literally means honored by God as a gift in a man. Or honoring God with my gift as a man. Noah's name should be on the cover of Forbes magazine. His full name is Noah Samuel Livingston Ross. That is a billionaire's name, and I receive it for him in Jesus' name, along with some back taxes, some tribute money, something. Noah Samuel Livingston Ross. Noah means peace. Samuel means God is listening. Livingston means literally the living stone. So his name means peace, God is listening. Who? The living stone. That's the meaning of his name. No one else could assign a label to him that will trump what the meaning of his name is. When God comes into this covenant with Abram, he doesn't just leave him with the name that he's been called. He also tells him prophetically, this is really what your name means. I know what you've been called, but here's what your name means. Your name means you're going to be the father of many nations. Point number two, write this down. I can only receive what I believe about myself. Here's why the name is so important. Because you can only receive what you believe about yourself. Abram could have never received this promise of being the father of many nations because he had rehearsed Abram so much. 
exalted father, exalted father, exalted father. There's nothing about this meaning that gives me an indication that I am going to be the father of many nations. So God says, I'm about to change it for you. Your name is now Abraham. Now I need you to receive this new name so you can actually believe what I just told you. Hear me. I need you to receive what I said about you so you can believe what I told you was going to happen in your life. I have seen people that give their life to Jesus Christ and so, so moved by this type of experience, they want to go down to the court to change their name. You don't have to do that. You can save some money and, com and some confusion by just getting on your knees and asking the Lord, could you please tell me what you have to say about my name? This is your father in heaven. Can you please tell me what you have to say about my name? Here's all the labels that have been assigned to my name, but I want to know what you say about my name. You see, my boys, Nathan and Noah, I love them very, very much. But if they were to grow up and to start getting into trouble, and if they were to start drinking or being promiscuous or, or, or hanging out with the wrong crowds and become violent, there are a lot of labels that could be affixed to their name. But every time they would come back to me as their father, I would be reminding them not, of what, not with what they've done, but who they are. I know that you went out there and you got in some trouble and you have a little bit of a record, but here's what I want to remind you. You are not what you've done. Let me remind you who you are and give you the meaning of your name. Without the meaning of your name and without you receiving it, you won't believe God for what he wants to give you. Let me give you this scripture. It's in Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, chapter number 2, verse number 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's what I've realized about our culture. Uh, we uh, are good at taking selfies. We're good at the filters. We're good at the postings. We're good at capturing the moment. We're good at picking the filter at which we want you to see the moment through. But the reason why we love doing all of that and making sure it's pretty, the reason why you like to take a picture, look at the picture, and then go, let's retake the picture. At the root of it, I'm so sorry of how this is going to land on you, is insecurity. We live in an insecure culture. I'm going to give you the one test that I've Lifted up above all the rest that lets me know how insecure our culture is. Because this generation can't receive a compliment. Just compliment somebody and see what happens. The response should be, thank you. I really appreciate that. Mm -mm. Hey, you have on a nice shirt. <laughs> <laughs> this. <laughs> I got this from Ross for $11.99. It's missing a button on the inside. You know how they got the imperfections? I got it as a steal. And I've had it, but then they got a little mustard stain right here. I try to hide it with a coat that I wear. Shut up! <laughs> Did nobody ask you all of that? How come you just can't say thank you? Because there's actually an insecurity. You cannot receive what you don't believe. Your hair is pretty. I haven't washed it in three days, and it gets all tangled, especially when the wind is like, shut up. 
Why don't you just say thank you? You can't because there's low self-esteem and insecurity that will not let you receive it because you don't actually believe it. Here's what God was saying to Abram. I need to change your name because if I don't change your name, you will still try to receive new things with an old way of thinking. You cannot receive my blessings if you're still thinking about it in the old ways. When I say that God has a plan for your life or he wants to do something great in your life, if you don't believe that for yourself, you cannot receive that for yourself. So I give you uh, Ephesians 2.10. Put it back up there. Here's the first thing it says, and there's a period behind it. There's no comma. It's a sentence. You are God's masterpiece. That's what it says. Now, if you went up to the average person and said, you are a masterpiece. <laughs> Listen, I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> I'm just a sinner saved by grace, trying to do the best I can with what I got. You know, keep praying for me. I'm still just on the throne, just holding on to the, shut up! <laughs> Not ask you. Do you know that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were made righteous by the purpose and the plan of Christ's blood on the cross? Do you not understand that when you gave your life to Jesus, he made you righteous? You do not earn it. You did not work for it. He took you from here and put you here. You cannot be more righteous than you are on the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. I just celebrated my 22nd spiritual birthday, January 14th. 1996 is when I gave my life to Christ. It is 22 years later, and here's what I can tell you for a fact. I am no more righteous today than I was that day because he makes you righteous. You don't grow into righteousness. You just become righteous because he made you righteous. Now, you might need more freedom. You can't become more righteous, but you can become more free. But we can't, even, we can't even get people to believe something out of Scripture. Or, thank you, Holy Spirit, you can believe it for others, but not yourself. So you are real good on believing God for other people's breakthrough. But when it comes to yourself, you still see yourself by a bad label through a bad filter. And you cannot receive it because you do not believe it about yourself. I'm telling you, I am so passionate about this this morning. I want to break some lies that the enemy has put in your head about you. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And Isaiah 54 and 17 says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against us in judgment shall be condemned. So if no weapon's going to prosper and every tongue is going to rise up, is going to be condemned. Why do we have people that are still uh, uh, defeated in their lives? Because it never said that you couldn't bring yourself down. No one else can cause you to fall. Scripture told you. But you can cause yourself to fall by what you believe about yourself. You are God's masterpiece. Put it back up. You are God's masterpiece. Y'all are like, mm. <laughs> what else? Nothing. 
We are God's masterpiece. If you really believe that, it would cause you to live your life in a completely different way. Because you're, you, are, you are so enthralled and enamored and focused on what he said that it trumps what is reality. You'll believe a prophetic word and, t- and hold that if I said God's going to give you a mansion in six months. The way you would look at your apartment would be completely different. <laughs> You'd walk in that apartment and be like, I ain't going to even be here in this one bedroom. <laughs> Make no sense that I'm in my bedroom, in my kitchen, and at the front door in those three steps. It makes no sense. Living in a 470 square foot apartment. But I got a word from the Lord that I'm about to live in the mansion. I'm ready for my mansion. The way you would look at your present circumstance would completely change if you really believe what he has for your future. So why would you believe it about a promotion on the job and not believe it about the life that's going to have the promotion on the job? I'm after something today and I ain't coming off it till it breaks. It needs to change. 22 years that I've been walking with the Lord. When I gave my life to the Lord, I was addicted I had low self-esteem. I had low self-worth. And I found that verse, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm a masterpiece. And the enemy would be like, no, you're not. You're not a masterpiece. Look at, look at what you're thinking. No, no, no. Yeah, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, that's in my brain too. But I'm going to put that in there too. I'm going to put this verse on repeat in my head until everything externally and internally lines up with this word. I am God's masterpiece. Say it. I am God's masterpiece. Say it. I am like you mean it. I am Right now. Right this minute. When he looks at you, he looks at you through the finished work of Jesus Christ. I know you're going to try to remind me, well, you know, I'm still working on some stuff, and that's why every January I go on a fast. Shut up. Just say thank you. We've been created new in Christ Jesus. Here's the part. That makes me want to run so that we could go do the good things that he planned for us. Do you not know when you gave your life to Christ, he made, he had plans? That when you said, I, I believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, he was like, oh, ah, I got plans for you. I'm going to use you at Starbucks. I'm going to use you at work. I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to give you the same covenant that Abraham got. I'm going to give it to you. Your descendants are going to be as blessed as Abram's are. Because I made you a masterpiece. And not anything that you're trying to work on now, but something that was already completed through my son, Jesus Christ. We are his his masterpiece. Created anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the wonderful things that he planned for us. Point number three, write this down. My name goes into his name. My name goes into his name. Here's what's, I'm a very sequential person. I just, I just like stuff to be in order and in sequence. Container store is one of my love languages. I walk in container store and I'm like, this is the way Lord made the earth. (laughs) He had shelves and he had an alpha unit and he had everything. It was fantastic. My name goes into his name. God did not give Abram 
his name until he reminded him of his own name. Hear me. God did not tell Abram he was getting his name changed to Abraham before he told him what his name was. He said, look, Abram, I've been talking to you for 24 years. Let me give you what my name is. You'll give this to your son. He'll give this to his son. Here's what my name is. It's the only name you need. All you patriarchs, here's the name that you need. I am El Shaddai. I'm the almighty God. What's furthermore, I'm going to change your name too, but I thought you should know my name first. Because when I change your name, you're going to be able to do something based on the meaning and revelation of the name you have now. But you need to know my name before I share your name with you. You need to know the meaning of my name before I give you the meaning of your name. Because your name goes into my name. You don't have power or authority outside of my name. You have power and authority because of my name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Which is why you should not be enamored with titles. There's a reason why here at Embassy City Church you have to call me Tim and you have to call her Juliet. Because uh, we know we're pastors, but pastors is what we do. It's not who we are. It's a verb. It's not a noun. Demons are not scared of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're scared of people that have their name inside of his name. The title does not do that. The name does. And in the Old Testament, it was God giving people his name and his authority. In the New Testament, we got the full revelation that that name all culminates in Jesus. And you understand that Jesus was not given a title that was above all titles, that at the name of that title, every knee shall bow and tongue confess. Demons don't get rebuked in the name of the Rose of Sharon. Demons don't get rebuked in the name of the Prince of Peace. Demons don't get rebuked in the name of Emmanuel. They don't get rebuked in the name Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rofi, Jehovah Sikhanu, El Shaddai. There's only one name. When that name is spoken, they know it's different from any other person that actually owns that name. It's not Jesus Rodriguez. It's not Jesus Martinez. Like how I got my R's rolled. When they call on that, they know that your name is on the inside of that name. And so for point number three, you know I like to give you scripture references. I had a hard time finding which one to give you, so I just put Acts through Revelation. That's my scriptural reference for point number three. Just read Acts through Revelation. Because everything that happened after the testator died on that cross and rose again became active for you to use. So every single time Peter, who got his name changed from Simon to Peter, every time he needed something to happen, he didn't say, rise up in the name of Peter. You know, Jesus gave me that name. I got promoted from being a little bit flaky to a rock. I am somebody. Jesus named me himself. Paul didn't start walking around. You know what? I was on my way to persecute Christians, and Jesus, he didn't send somebody to witness to me. Jesus himself came to me. I'm the apostle, Paul. Mm -mm. They put their name in his name. 
And when they came into danger, they didn't say, hey, y'all better back up because I'm Paul. They said, no, 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 no. I I think y'all need to back up because Jesus, my name is on the inside of his name. And whatever I need, I don't call on my name. I don't call on my resources. I don't call on my strength. I call on his name. At that name, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. At that name, cancer backs up and diseases go running. At that name, enemies that would try to hinder his plan for your life start to tremble at that name. What's your name? What's the meaning of your name? Some people would say, well, my mom gave me a really unique name, and there's no meaning to it. I checked. Every time I go to Disneyland, I look and all, I look for my keychain, and they don't, my name is really unique. It has two U's in it, and I just don't know. My name probably doesn't mean anything. I dare you to go home and ask God. It's not like God was sitting at home like, oh, swing and a miss. I didn't know you were going to name your daughter that. That's, that is, I can't, I can't, mm, two U's, I just, mm. If you would have spelled it maybe a little bit, I, oh, oh, nothing I can do. Can't do anything with two U's. From Genesis to Revelation, can't find anything with two U's in it. I'm so sorry to tell you that my power only comes down to biblical names. As if he would be that petty. He can take whatever your name is. Whatever label's been assigned to it, and go, I know what you heard, but now let me tell you the truth. I've had so many plans for you. I'm so glad you decided to come ask me what your name is, because I've been meaning to tell you that your name means son. Your name means daughter. Your name means prosperous. Your name means free. Your name means healed. Your name means strength. Your your name means wholeness. Let me give you the meaning of your name. And if you can believe it, you can receive it. See, what happens a lot of times with word of faith is there's nothing wrong with word of faith if it's in its proper context. God never meant for you to take his word and by faith, believe stuff that he never said he was going to give you. What if faith doesn't mean name and claim a house you can't afford? That's embarrassing to the kingdom of heaven. To have a citizen who can't pay their bills. I love Jesus. Oh, I love him. But the light person is coming. You had to have that phone and them shoes and that purse. But your car got repo? In Jesus' name? No, it's in Honda's name. 
until you have a clear title, you owe Honda $436.52. It's time for us to be the sons and daughters that he called us to be and by our good name in the community, be a light that other people go, I want to be like that Christian. They pay their, they have a business and they pay their vendors on time. That is awesome. I have a Christian person that I work for and we get our check every two weeks. No spiritual, well, you know, the Lord's, you know, the Lord's with us. I'm not going to be able to pay you Friday, but if you just pray for a breakthrough with me, no, but your breakthrough should have came at 12 midnight, 15th and the 31st. I need that check in Jesus' name. So it's his name that you put your name into. And I promise you, he will start messing you up. Here's the thing. Abram got a new name, and once he got a new name, he had to start thinking differently. He had already had a baby with Hagar, and he got a new name, Abraham. Sarah got a new name. Uh, Sarai got a new name, Sarah. He said, by this time next year, you're going to have a baby. He laughed. Ah! But he kept rehearsing his name. He rehearsed his name so much that one day he looked at Sarah, he said, hey, girl. I think we need to find out if God is, <laughs> if his word is true. <laughs> when that baby was born, he was 100. She was 90. Nine? Zero. <laughs> Nine? You do, you do know Isaac's name means laughter? Because when that baby came out of Sarah, she was like, I believe this year, God wants to make you laugh. He wants you to laugh uncontrollably at the truth of what he said about you. And he wants you to also laugh in the face of the enemy who's been lying to you. 2018 is going to be a year. If you make these healthy transitions, he's going to make you laugh. And all you have to do is receive your name. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.